0: John chapter 3 is, you know, probably one of the most famous chapters in the Bible. Of course, chapter 3, verse 16, probably the most beloved verse in the Bible, the most memorized verse in the Bible, the most popular verse in the Bible. Uh, last week, uh, we uh, went through that text, John three sixteen. It didn't record on the video. I did have my cell phone audio recording it though. I just haven't gotten it posted online yet. So that'll be online. If you missed it, you're going to want to go back and listen to the last two, uh, three Sundays from uh, John chapter three, but John chapter three, we see, um, a man in the night, you know, a man named Nicodemus. He was the original Nick at night, you know, when he came, uh, as a Pharisee, as a top dog, for the Jews, a man who had nothing in his life, but to keep the law of the Lord, you know, and he came to Jesus and it's implied that he asked a question to which the answer is most assuredly, I say to you, Nicodemus, if you want to see the kingdom of God, you must be born again, and that, that took Nicodemus back because he knew that a non-Jew would need to be born again and even go through a sort of a ritual baptism in order to be accepted into the Jewish faith. Um, and so, you know, that made sense. But 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 I'm a Pharisee. I'm like I'm a professional Jew and I need to be born again. And I don't get it. And Jesus began to speak to him about birth. That it's not just being birthed uh, on an earthly birth, but to have a spiritual birth, a rebirth to have a regeneration, to have a new life given to you from the inside out, that not only did Nicodemus and all of his friends need to be born again, but the whole world needed to be born again. They needed to be saved. They needed to be reborn. And in my home group the other night, we began to talk about, you know, if we were to think about all of the different people in our community and in our society that are the Nicodemuses of the world, you know, these are the people that are outwardly very polished. These are the people that might seem like they don't need a savior, really. I mean, pretty good people, you know. They they fight against abortion, you know. They're Republicans, you know. Whatever. I mean, some of you would disagree with that. Me too. But, uh, you know. Or they're Democrat, you know. They're, oh, yeah, I know they don't need Jesus, you know. Or they're wealthy. You know, or they're college graduates, you know, or just whatever. You know, there's so many different things. They're, they're really religious. They wear religious clothing. They're big they button, the top button, you know, whatever. Like, they're very modest, you know. But Jesus says, all y'all need to be born again. Doesn't matter who you are. You need to have the Holy Spirit come into you and take your heart of stone out and put a heart of flesh in that is now alive and is beating and knows me and doesn't have to be told to know me. Because you know me. You need to be born again. You need to have a change from the inside that then works its way out in your actions and your behavior. Jesus says you've got to be born again. How do you be born again? You look to Jesus. And it's in verse 15 that Jesus uses an example from the Old Testament, from Numbers chapter 23, when the children of Israel were complaining against God as he was leading them through the desert, they were complaining against God. And so God brought some correction through some vipers. He sent vipers onto the scene, and they were striking the Israelites. And as the Israelites were struck by the vipers, people are dying, and they've got the snake bite, and people are cutting little Xs and trying to suck the poison out, you know, it's not working, you know, I don't know, that's not in the Bible, don't This me on that, it's just what you do, right, and, uh, but people are dying, and, and the Lord says, Moses, I want you to fashion and form a bronze serpent, and I want you to, to put it on a pole, and whoever looks at that bronze serpent will not perish, they won't die from the snake bite but they'll have everlasting life, okay? Or they'll, they'll be saved. Jesus uses that as the example of, of that he is that bronze serpent. And he's the one that will be lifted up on a pole. He'll be lifted up on a tree. And that if anyone would look to him and the work that he did on that tree at Mount Calvary 2,000 years ago, they will not perish from the snake bite of sin, from the curse of sin from their rebellion against God. They won't perish. They won't go to hell. But they'll have everlasting and eternal life. And so, I mean, it's implied in Numbers 23 that there were people that looked to the serpent and were healed. It was a miracle. Our families healed. And this is wonderful. And there are people that, I don't need it. I don't want it. I can make it on my own. That to seems too simple. I'm a man of industry and ingenuity, and I don't need nobody or nothing. I can make it on my own, you know? Well, they died of snakebite. <laughs> all right? They did not make it. And that's what leads up to that most beloved verse in the Bible, John three sixteen. Right after the story of the serpent, Jesus says, For God so loved the world. He so loved the world that he made his son the bronze serpent. He made his son the one that would hang on the tree. That whoever, or if you've got the King James Version, whosoever, whosoever would believe in him, rest in him, trust in him, they won't perish. They won't be condemned. They won't be sent to hell. They won't have to bear the burden of their sin for all eternity. They will not perish, but they will have everlasting life. And if you've got your Bible, just look at the latter half of verse 15 and look at the latter half of verse sixteen. And do you see how they're like nearly a direct quotation? Look at the bronze serpent. You will not perish, but have eternal life. Look at the son who was given by the father. You will not perish, but you will have everlasting life. But I want to ask you today, where do you stand today? Are you one that never looked to Jesus? You've never surrendered to Jesus. You've never humbled yourself. I mean, imagine how dumb it would be to look at the bronze serpent. You're just like, no way, man. That's just dumb. Well, look at it. You want me to look at it? Fine, I'll look at it, you know? I mean, how dumb is it? It takes humility. It takes realizing, I can't do this. I need someone else to rescue me. And the Lord says, hey, I've created the rescue plan. All you got to do is receive it. Believe it. Have you believed it? We're going to see a little bit today what that looks like in your life if you believe it. Because right after verse 16, when we get into 17 right now, there's a whole lot of, of just special goodness that goes along with it, right? There's so much just like, you know, fro-yo, right? Just something to savor that helps explain the previous verses. Now, we talked about this last week, but it's actually, a lot of the commentaries and commentators say that Jesus stopped talking at verse 15, and that then John began giving an explanation of what Jesus was getting at in verse 16. So if your Bible has red letters, just remember the red letters weren't put there by the Holy Spirit. That was the publisher that put the red letters in your Bible, okay? And that's okay, and that's a wonderful tool, but many believe that now John is like preaching a little sermon inspired by the Holy Spirit, so it's still God preaching it, okay? It's just as if Jesus were doing it, alright? But, John is preaching at this moment about what Jesus was getting at, okay? And so what he says as we get to verse 17 is, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And here we have these incredible elements of the gospel being preached to us right here. Charles Spurgeon said about this section that we're going to be in today, that this is like the whole Bible compacted into just a couple of verses. Okay? He's giving the mission and the plan of God. And, and Jesus would say in John that as the Father sent me, so do I send you. God is a missionary, God, and He showed that He's a missionary by sending His Son out to save the world. And now that the Lord has dead begun that part of the mission, now he, Jesus says, now I send you out, okay, now God did not have the purpose and the intention to condemn the world in sending his son, to to cause the world to be considered guilty and worthy of punishment, or that the punishment would happen at that moment now the world will be condemned for rejecting the son, but that wasn't the purpose of descending. Okay. There will be judgment. There will be condemnation. Okay. We're going to get into that in a second, but that wasn't this original intent and purpose. The purpose was that the world might be saved. Okay. That the world might believe and be saved. All right. Um, I'm going to go through a few different verses here. And uh, we're going to make this an interactive morning. How does that sound? little interaction. John, how you doing? Great. Other John, how you doing? Two Johns right there. Which one am I talking to? Okay. A little bit of interaction this morning, okay? John 5, 26. So just flip a couple of verses. And uh, John Reed, will you stand up, brother? And read this verse for us here. John 5, 26. Whereas as the Father has life in Himself, so He has granted the Son to have life in Himself. How far are you going to go? In uh, verse 27. And He has given Him authority to execute judgment also, because He is the Son of Man. Thank you. So there is authority that was given to Jesus as He was sent out. Authority for judgment. Okay? There will be Judgment. But we're going to see that. And we studied Revelation recently. One day that day, it will come in its fullness. The wrath of God will be poured out upon a Christ-rejecting world. But it's not without the precursor to it that God has come to save before he's come to judge. Okay, When you read Jeremiah, which we just finished Jeremiah as a church in our Bible reading plan, Jeremiah is, is told by the Lord that the Lord is, is really done with Moab. Like Moab, this is a wicked people. They are they are worshiping idols, they are sacrificing children, their sexual immorality. Moab is just distaste. I want to vomit when I think of Moab, right? And then a few chapters later, you have the Lord weeping over Moab. Oh, that Moab would be saved. And so you have just this these this tension. About the, the mercy and the and the judgment of God. And, and it's true that God is just and he will judge. But how beautiful that we are in an age of grace right now. And here in this beautiful state park. We can partake and you can partake today of the mercy of God. And the savingness of God. The salvation of God. Let's look at... Uh, Luke 9, verse 51 through 56. And uh, Jake Childers, in your loudest sheriff's deputy voice, can you read out that section for us? Luke chapter 9, verses 51 through 52. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem, and he sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. Just those two? Yeah, great job. (laughs) Looks like I might have written it down in my Bible. Well, Jake, good job. Buddy. Let's go give shake hand. <laughs> yeah. That spoke to all of us. Raise your hand if that spoke to you today. Yeah. Oh, no. 51 through 56. Yeah. Right. Through. No, I told you through 52. I'll read through 56. Go for it. All right. But the people there did not Whoa, welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. Whoa, when the disciples, come here.
1: Come here. Come here. James and John,
0: saw this, yeah. they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? But Jesus turned and rebuked hey. them, oh, no, no, and no, no, they no. went to another village. Awesome. Whose Bible says what Jesus said when they rebuked them? What do you What are you reading out of, Jake? Uh, NIV. NIV. All right, so that's okay. Great. Um, But Jesus, when he turned and he rebuked them, New King James version has it. Anybody got it? What do you say? you don't know matter of spirit you're of and what what's it going to say for the son of man did not come to destroy men's lives but to save them don't you ever feel like that you know you're you've ever done much street outreach, you know, there's people, we've been doing the signs of life outreach and just holding up signs of Jesus. And you got people, we got people that just flip us off for a whole block and just give us the look. Last week we're holding up Jesus signs and this guy in an old restored, uh, like fifties pickup or forties pickup drives by and he's looking and he sees our signs about Jesus. and He does this. You know, and Steve and I looked at each other. Steve Lilly over there, and we looked at each other like, "I mean, I've seen the finger before. I've never seen, you know." And I go, "Did he just?" He's like, "Yeah, I've seen a lot of things, right?" And then Steve was like, "Let's go get him," you know. <laughs> oh. Son of Man came not to destroy men's <laughs> but that they might be saved. I'm making that up, right? Here. But that they might be st- saved. That's why the Lord has come. Did you know that about yourself? Man, there, praise the Lord. I've heard last week CJ and Macy, they're not here today, are they? CJ and Macy, a new family in the church, both of them grabbed me after church and said, my mom reached out to me this week to ask me how to know Jesus. And Steve said, my best friend, my whole lifelong best friend asked me to tell him about Jesus this week. Joe Papena, uh, his, his aunt died, uh, just a couple days ago. And like for two weeks before she died, his family has seen a change in his life and has asked him to drive to Hepner and to, to share Jesus with her. And they don't even know Jesus. They're, they're thanking, they're thanking him after he shared with her. And Joe's like, What are you thanking for? You don't even know Jesus, you know? And, but they're thanking him. And Joe has this certain peace that she went knowing Jesus. And, and so it's just wonderful when we have these Nicodemuses coming to us. Like, tell me about Jesus, man. Tell me about, like, aren't those the best times, you know? But the, it's God's heart to save you. It's God's heart to save. Is it Aunt Connie? Aunt Connie and and David was uh, CJ's best friend today. Now, he wants to save the Connies and the Davids. He wants to save you. If you're not saved today, God's not coming to the world to condemn you. If you don't believe in Jesus, you'll be condemned. But that's not why he came. He's come that you might be saved. Today you can be saved. Uh, there's another verse I want you guys to read back in John... Oh, I gotta get back there. I wrote it all in my margin here. First John 4.14. Um, Ian Moog. In your biggest <laughs> bear voice. What is it? I was at, at dinner with Ian the other night and, uh, Sarah goes, what are you looking at me like that for? And he goes, this is my look. <laughs> <laughs> we love you. First John 4, 14. Right. So we have seen and testified that the Father Ooh. sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. All right. We have seen, and many of us here today, we have seen and testified God sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Let's go on to our next verse. So, he who believes in him, this is verse 18, John 3:18. You got John 3:16 memorized. What about John 3:18? Got that one memorized? He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. So, how is one born again? The context of John chapter 3 tells us You're born again when you believe in Jesus. And so if you're of the persuasion that, you know, I love God, I love the Bible, but I just can't get behind this Jesus guy, then then you've made up something that's totally unbiblical. Okay? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. If you believe in Jesus, you are not condemned now, and you're not going to be condemned later. You will not be punished now, you won't be punished later. You won't be found guilty of your sin now, and you won't be found guilty of your sin later. Don't you like the present tenseness of it all? You are not condemned, or he is not condemned who believes in Jesus. Let's uh, look at Romans eight one, and um, going to have Dustin Cloud read it out. I'm not only picking men; there will be some women here. Don't worry. I have only picked men, but then I realized I was only doing it. <laughs> so Romans eight one and Romans eight thirty four. So both of those, okay. Give <laughs> you us your biggest, deepest cabinet name, this voice. <laughs> That's not a thing. Oh. There is <laughs> therefore no condemnation with those who are in Christ Do not walk who 34. Who is he who condemns? Christ died, the is also risen. Oh, Romans 8, one, guys. The Great Eight. The Puritans used to say, if your Bible fell off a table and landed on a floor, it should fall open to Romans chapter 8. Okay? This is good news to us who are in Christ Jesus. You ever just go to bed at night and you're like, my sin, my sin, and wake up in the morning, my sin, my sin. But you know that you've confessed your sin to Jesus. You turn from your sin into Him, and yet it's just, it's like an old unclean thing that's on you. You gotta know Romans 8. There is, therefore, by the way, therefore takes you back to Romans chapter 7, the latter half. It's beautiful. There is now no condemnation. Again, it's present tense. Our verse 18 He who believes in Him is not condemned. Okay, there is no condemnation for you if you're in Christ Jesus. In fact, Dustin read it. Who's the one that's going to condemn you? It's Romans 8.34. Who is the one that's going to condemn you? Oh, you're going to condemn me? I know what you did last summer. You watched the movie. I know what you did last summer. Right? It's not PG-13. Don't put it in your BZR. Okay, just kidding. You're going to condemn me? Romans 8.34 says, you know what? Not even God's condemning you. Who is he who condemns It's not Jesus, I'll tell you that. Romans 8.34 says. You want to know where he's at? He's at the right hand of the Father. It says he died. Furthermore, he's resurrected. And now he spends all day praying for you. He's not condemning you. There is therefore now... No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, okay? But what is the essential thing here from John chapter 3, verse 18? He who does a verb is not condemned, but he who does not do this verb is condemned already. What's that verb? Belief. Belief trusting in him and resting in him so presently if you believe in Jesus there's not condemnation here there or anywhere but if you don't believe in Jesus now you're condemned yesterday you're condemned today you're condemned tomorrow that's not why Jesus came into the world but you are walking in condemnation and judgment because you have not believed in Jesus Christ the only son of God um John chapter, or I'm sorry, Mark chapter 16. Jesus says in in his great commission of Mark, he says, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. All right. So I believe and I've been baptized and I'm saved, but to know that it's not baptism that saves you, Jesus goes on to say, but he who does not believe is, will not be saved. So believe guys, Man, I prayed that the Lord would lead you to sing the donkey's song of Shrek. I believe, 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 I believe. I believe. believe. Right now, everybody. Hey, you believe, all right? Hey, okay. That we would believe in the Lord today. Romans chapter 8, the great 8 brings so much encouragement. John chapter 5, verse 24. Michelle. Michelle is a female <laughs> oh my God. in your loudest veterinarian's voice. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Let the weight lift off of your shoulders, Christians. If you believe in Jesus, you have not passed into judgment, but into eternal life. Let just the lies of the enemy and the condemnation from Satan be lifted off of you by the words of the Lord today. Uh, We also have John chapter 6, verse 47. And... um, Lindsay, I'm gonna read that. John six forty seven. Got her talking. And Jess, John twenty thirty one. That'll teach him not to talk to each other. <laughs> so John six forty seven and twenty thirty one. If you believe you have eternal life, yes you see that correlation of belief and life belief and salvation uh, 1 John 5 12 mountain biker extraordinaire saw it this week He who has the Son has life. And this is pretty simple, isn't it? It's like you're teaching your children. You have the Son, you have life. You don't have the Son, you don't have life. He who believes is not condemned. He who does not believe is condemned already because he does not believe in the only Son of God. All right? Uh, let's go down to verse 19. Everybody doing okay? You're just like, is he going to call on me? I'm so scared. <laughs> And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. Okay, so, he who does not believe is condemned already, and here's the condemnation, or NIV, I think, so Jake has it, it says something like, and this is the verdict, right, Here's the verdict. Okay, here's the judgment. Or here is the um, judgment. Yeah. Here's the problem. The light came into the world. We know this from John chapter 1, verses 4 and verses 9 through 11. We studied it about a month or two ago. The light came into the world. But people didn't want the light. They loved the darkness rather than the light. You guys... When the world is going to be condemned, we have to remember that Jesus didn't come into the world to a neutral group of people. Jesus came into the world of rebels against him. People that had chosen willingly darkness instead of light. People that had had God's grace bestowed upon them time and time again, and yet they still chose immorality and idolatry and sensuality and lasciviousness and covetousness instead of him. And so here's the judgment and here's the verdict. Men love darkness instead of light. And guess what? I'm lumped into that category and you're lumped into that category. And so when God came, he came as a loving, merciful, gracious God, initiating salvation, totally going out of his way to save the world. And he didn't come down to this planet of a bunch of people that are like, oh, I heard about Jesus and I'm just like, going to follow Jesus. Like, he came to people that were just in rebellion against him. His own killed him. Okay? His own betrayed him. And so here's the verdict. People didn't want the light. They wanted darkness. They wanted evil. They wanted wickedness. And he goes on, John goes on in verse 20 to talk about kind of what that light and darkness was like. Everyone practicing evil hates the light. The lifestyle of wickedness, the lifestyle of um, man, I had all the. I just decided to ditch my notes today, but some of the the, the lexicon of the dictionary describing evil, it's just like theft and hatred and and it's just trying to describe in these deep words just the the depravity of man and that they are evil. Think of the evilness of the world. And then put yourself in that apart from Jesus. Because it's you and it's me. Alright? We were practicing evil until Jesus came into our life. Everyone practicing evil hates the light. We're like the vampires, you know? They can't have light, you know? Uh, we're like the little potato bugs, you know? They're hiding under the rock. And you lift the rock up and you're like, you know? Running away. Hating, I don't know if potato bugs hate the light, but they wiggle when you lift the rock off of them. And they don't come to the light. It's not our natural inclination and tendency as fallen people to just come into the light. Our natural fallen condition is to run from the light, to go to darkness, to keep practicing evil. It's the sovereign work of God that draws us out of our sin and towards the light. It's the grace of God that moves us in that direction. Everyone practicing evil hates the light. They don't come to light. They don't want their deeds to be exposed. I was uh, visiting with a gal from our church this week, and she was just like, Rory, every time I just talk about Jesus with my friends who say they're Christians... They tell me to stop judging them. It's like I'm not judging them. I'm, I'm just talking about God. I'm talking about Jesus. Like, I literally did not even confront their worldview or anything, and they're getting on me about judgment. And the only verse they've got memorized is John chapter 7, verse 1, Judge not, lest you be judged. That's it. That's all they know. And yet, you know, they, they practice other stuff that's contrary to the scripture. And so, when I'm just you know, shining my light for the whole world to see. I'm judging. You ever feel like that? Like, I'm just, I thought we were on the same page and we're just talking about Jesus and you're lashing out at me like this. Why does the world do this? Because even though they have a facade of light going on, the truth is they've not yet surrendered to the Lord. They're practicing darkness and they do not want their deeds to be exposed. They don't want their idolatry to be exposed. They don't want to be confronted on their paganism and their immorality and their little mixed bag of different religions that they've got going on. They don't want to have to humble themselves, admit they've been dabbling in sorcery and wickedness and all kinds of stuff. Because that that's a confrontation to who we are as people. And confrontation is not pleasant. So we run away from the light. We don't want our deeds to be exposed. Um, Job 24, 13. I'm trying to look for, for who has a Bible in the first place? So. Brandon. Brandon, right? Yep. Awesome. John's cousin, Brandon. Where are you from, Brandon? Uh, Long Beach, Washington. Long Beach, Washington, visiting us. Good to see you. Do you mind reading? Job, uh, 24, 13. It says wicked people rebel against the light. They refuse to acknowledge its way or stay in its path. All right. Yeah. Just, it gives us insight on how to pray for our friends and loved ones and coworkers. And eat. Lord, I'm praying for my friend. They're wicked. They are wicked people. They are refusing to come to the light. And Lord, I just pray today that you would just move them from darkness to light. Uh, Ephesians 5 11 through 14 wow. Ephesians 5 11 through 14 Who's there? Anybody? Or who's about there? Like this outdoor service is starting to get a little long brother <laughs> Well if you guys would flip your Bibles faster David, you there? Yep. Right on. Hey, David is alive, everybody. <laughs> Dude, we love you, David. He's missing about a third of a pound from his spleen being gone, but. Still here. We're right here. Uh, 11, uh, 5, 11, 14. Yeah. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful um, works of darkness, but rather expose her. For it is shameful to even speak of those things which are done by them in secret. but all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest in the Lord, it is is life. Therefore, he says, "Awake, you who sleep; arise from the dead, and Christ will give you life." So, man, it's just a perfect picture there from Ephesians chapter five about how we. We don't want to come to the light lest our deeds would be exposed, but that's the very thing the gospel does to us. It allows us to see that our sin is sin and it is destructive, but the Lord has come to redeem us from our sin. And when I was teaching through Ephesians 5 a couple years ago, I found that the language in the text speaks of that God actually takes the things that were being used for darkness, and he so changes us that he begins to use those things for the glory of God such as testimonies, right? He transforms us and he uses all that wicked junk for his glory and for his fame. It's an incredible study. Okay, moving along so that we'll be done here. Uh, John, uh, rather, uh, yeah, John three twenty one is the last verse here. And it's the, it's the counter, right? It's the other, instead of walking in the light or in the darkness and rejecting the light, um, those who do the truth, Right? verse 20 says that the, the darkness practices evil but those that are in the light do the truth he who does the truth comes to the light part of being a Christian is walking in the light so that his deeds may be clearly seen and you know it, it's not that they would be clearly seen so that oh I'm ashamed like Oh, let's just expose this guy's junk. You know, that's not what's going on. The verse completes it that because you're in the light, God wants to show off that your works, it says, have been done by God. That you're a new creation, that you're His workmanship uh, created in Christ Jesus for good works, that you may walk in them. And so we as Christians, we love the light. We're practicing truth. We want our deeds to be exposed so that the world can see that and have the fragrance of Christ. Uh first John one five through seven. 1 John one five through seven. This is a great verse. It's very popular, famous verse. Courtney Papin, are you there? No, what was it? <laughs> Sorry, I got distracted. Call her out. I'd like to meet with Courtney, Lindsay, <laughs> and Jessica. Elders, first. can you be up here for that? <laughs> okay. Uh, first John 1, 5-7. First John yeah. 1, 5 through 5-7. Okay, I think I got it. I had to put my Bible down. Okay. This is a message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Yes. Beautiful verse, man. If you say you're a Christian, you know, you say you believe, but you're living a life of practicing darkness then there's something not genuine there. There's something that it'd be good to meet with a brother or a sister and just talk about, hey, I say I'm a Christian, I say I believe, but I'm practicing darkness. I don't want it to be exposed so that you can work through like, man, Lord, help me to really truly believe. Help my unbelief so that I would no longer practice darkness, but I would practice light and walk in the light. We've been given a gift by the blood of Jesus It's been purchased for us that we can now walk in light. Doesn't the light feel good? Doesn't it feel good to be sitting in the sun as our president said? It's just killing the coronavirus. (laughs) Open your mouth, let it get down in there. Uh, I'm just kidding. Too soon? Okay. I apologize. Aren't you thankful for DC Talk and their song? I want to be in the light as you are in the light. I want to shine like the stars in the heaven. Nope. (laughs) <laughs> I heard it on the CD back in the day. And so, you guys, we can set our Bibles aside and Johnny can come back up. But there's this beautiful, like... And maybe it really was Jesus, and this is just a continuation of between him and Nicodemus, you know? Or maybe it was John the Evangelist, he's called... And he just does this sweet little sermon for us, an explanation of what it means to believe in the Lord, to look at Jesus as he's there on the cross, uh, like the serpent, and be saved. But the commentary that's there, or even Jesus' message, whatever it is there, there is this great message about belief. Believe on him. Actually, I was reading Charles Spurgeon from 1857 this morning, and he was saying, Notice that it says, believe in him. Believe in him. Not believe on him. Now, believing on him is good. Believe on Jesus, you know? But believing in Jesus, like, imagine, like, I believe in you, man. I believe in you. Like, I, I trust in you. I, I believe in what you're saying. <laughs> it's right and it's true. That's what, when you believe in Jesus, like I'm hoping you. You know, I trust in you. And so there's this great message for us as, and as we believe in Jesus, we have the great great relief that there's no condemnation anymore. No more condemnation right now, no condemnation. Understand? If you're not going to believe, there is condemnation. You're already condemned unless you come to Jesus today. Today would be the day. There's no more judgment for you on your sin. You can walk with a spring in your step. I've been forgiven by the blood of Jesus. There's no judgment. All that I did, man, they're going to write a book about what I did. But it's not on my shoulders anymore. Jesus took it on his shoulders to the cross. We believe in Jesus. We have light. We have life. Just as Jesus in John 1 is the life and the light of men. When we believe in Jesus, we walk in the light, And God is glorified that all our works are done in Him. So let's receive today, amen? amen. Let's believe today, amen? Let's walk in that. Let's walk in the joy that comes through His grace toward us. And as Johnny leads us, you can set your things aside. Let's just go to Prayer.